He, he says to John to take care of his mom, um, which is amazing that as he's literally in excruciating agony, he's still thinking about his mom and that she's going to be taken care of. At, at one point, uh, he cries out in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Traditionally, we look at that moment and we say that that is the moment that all of our sin was laid upon him and he literally became sin for us. And because he became sin, that God couldn't bear to look at him anymore and turned away from him. And so in utter abandonment, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I I believe that that is true. But I also learned something amazing that I'd never heard before. Um, if someone has your Bible, uh, take your Bible and open up to, to Psalm chapter 22. Now, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Bible that we have. That In the 1500s, a guy in France took the Bible and broke it up into chapters and verses and added all of the numbers. Before that, there were no, it was just a book with no chapters and no numbers. And to a Hebrew, they would not have referred to this as Psalm 22. They certainly, as a Hebrew, uh, would not look at Roman or Latin numbers and say that's what we want to call it. wouldn't happen. For, for Jews, the, the Psalms were titled by the first line of, that, of the stanza in there. Somebody want to read out loud Psalm 22, verse 1? Who's got it? Dan. Yeah. Now, if you go on and look through the rest of Psalm 22, it actually lists out how he is despised. It lists. It talks about how he is surrounded by his enemies. It says in uh, in verse 11, verse 12, my enemies are surrounding me like lions. They open their jaws against me. Verse 14, my life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. He talks about how they've nailed him to a tree, that they're gambling for my clothing. Lord, don't stay so far away from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. And then at the end it says, Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. I will praise you in the great assembly. You know, it's interesting. We we know Jesus loves me, right? We just start just by saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This song was as familiar in Jesus' culture as Jesus loves me is to us. And so at his moment of greatest agony and need, you know, have you ever been in a difficult situation and then to deal with it or to cope with it, you go back to like your, for me, it's I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. In difficult times, that song is like my go-to song. And I find it beautiful that in Jesus' darkest moment, he goes to Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't that beautiful? That it, he, he's, As he's praying for the people around him, and he's looking to today and praying and singing for us, that God has not abandoned him, and he has not abandoned us. 
That is amazing. And it's totally bonus, not part of my message. Um, leftover from the Passover stuff that, that I learned on Thursday, which was awesome. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. We're going to kind of tag on the back end of Pastor Jamie's message last week when we wrapped up the Grave Robber series. Because really, the whole Grave Robber series points to today. It points to this moment in the story. And so in John chapter 11, Jesus is just getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he looks at at Martha and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Is what he says to Martha. You know, it's interesting. For, you know, for 30 years, the one who had crafted the entire universe with the words of his mouth was in disguise as a carpenter. That he he lived in in pretty much obscurity for 30 years. Whether he was uh, great at making tables or furniture or building houses. As a, as a carpenter, the, the Greek word in, in uh, the Scripture actually is not necessarily carpenter like a woodworker. It's more the word tekton, which is more like a stone worker. Um, and, and he was not what we would picture. You know, sometimes you see the portrayals of who Jesus is, and he's this 90-pound wuss that just kind of, you know, kind of floats through life. You know, like, like when you see him, you think about him walking through the scenes of the Scripture story, like he floats on air and there's a halo of glow around his head. And, and he was not. He was a guy that was very comfortable hanging out with sailors and, and camping out. He was, he was a man's man. He was not uh, some kind of weak person. And, and so he's, his miraculous powers are, are some of the most best-kept secret for 30 years. And then he shows up at a reception at a wedding, and they've run out of wine. And, and then everything changes. And from there, we start to see all the things that we explored over the last eight weeks, where he changed water into wine. And, and then he changed um, the, the destiny of a young boy from long distance showing not only does he have power over the molecular structure of the world, but he's got power over distance and heals the official son. And then after that, he reveals his mastery over time when he reverses 38 years of, of a crippling defeat in that man's life where he, he heals him and he's able to walk after 38 years of being lame. Then he walks on water. He feeds Almost 20,000 people. And then my favorite one was when he healed the blind man's eyes who had been born blind from birth. And not only did he heal his eyes, he actually created synaptic pathways from his optic nerve to his visual cortex that did not exist. Amazing. And then the, the, the big one, the, the one that, that is, you'd, you'd think, how do, you, how do you beat this? He calls Lazarus out of the tomb, and he comes. And that miracle was a foreshadowing. It was pointing 
to the miracle that was about to come, the miracle that we celebrate today as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So those seven miracles that we've looked at over the last few weeks, they're all signs pointing to today. They're all signs, and there are so many more miracles in the scriptures that that we could look at. We just focused on the seven that John thought were the most important. Um, But they all point right to Jesus. And again, like we've been saying for the last few weeks, don't seek miracles. Seek Jesus. If what you're looking for is a miracle, go to a magic show. But if you're looking for, for God to move in your life, seek Jesus. And when you, see, when you seek Jesus, his miraculous power is going to happen naturally. The supernatural will naturally happen as we follow Jesus Christ. And we said this you know, multiple times over and over again. Everyone wants a miracle. Everyone wants something amazing to happen in their lives, but no one wants the difficult situation that requires a miracle to bail them out of it, right? No one wants that. But if they hadn't run out of wine, there would have been no miracle. If the guy hadn't been born blind, if they hadn't run out of food, all those things that were problems, that were difficulties, Jesus took them and turned them around turning water into wine, healing the man born blind, walking out of the tomb. He is the God who makes the impossible possible. One of of my earliest memories uh, of of movies um, was this scene. And if you're familiar with it, 1978, the original Superman movie, Christopher Reeve, right? And unfortunately for Mr. Reeves, He's been dethroned now for me. Henry Cavill is now Superman. But all my life growing up, Christopher Reeves was Superman. And in the original movie, at the, the, the climactic ending of the story, the earth is going through all kinds of natural disasters, and Superman is actually trying to build a new dam because the Hoover Dam has ruptured and all the water is rushing out, and he's building a new dam out of giant boulders And because he's so busy saving thousands of lives, he's unable to be there when the earth cracks open and Lois Lane's car falls down inside and she is buried alive and she dies. And when he finally gets there and she's gone, she's dead, Superman is grief-stricken. He doesn't know what to do. He he cries out. And then he, he gets an idea and he flies around the earth backwards and flies so fast so many times he actually changes the earth's rotation to make it spin backwards and because that's how it works right that if you can make the earth spin backwards you can turn back time and and obviously the science is suspect uh in this scene um but if he was able to actually reverse the the earth's access um rotation uh you know the science part of it, I, I love that kind of stuff, you know, that the earth rotates at 1,000 miles an hour, that right now we are spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. It's, it's miraculous that we don't just fly off, right, into space. But that if he, if, if, if he had, um, if he was able to turn back time like that, again, it was a movie, it was theoretical, um, but if he had really reversed his rotation, he may have saved Lois, but he would have killed everyone else with whiplash, um, spinning the earth the, the other way. But you know, we think about 
difficult times, difficult seasons that we face in our lives. And wouldn't it be awesome if you could just turn the clock back? If you could just spin the clock back, you know, a couple of hours, maybe, maybe just far enough that you can keep yourself from saying that stupid thing that you said. Or maybe spinning the clock back enough that you can uh, avoid a, a painful situation. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't have that ability because time, the arrow of time, only points in one direction, right? Uh, we, we don't get to go back. And what's done is done. And, and some things in life are irreversible. You know, you can't unbake cookies. Once they're baked, they're baked. Whether you burned them or they turned out good, you can't unbake them. Uh, I, I remember when I was in college, uh, my professor in our English class asked us to r- undo something. We had to write out all the steps. Anybody have to do that for English class? And, and so we had to un, either unbake a cake and then write down all the steps. Just to, it was like a critical thinking exercise. And I couldn't think of anything to undo. So I decided I was going to unwrite a stupid English assignment. And so I started at the top that your teacher, the first thing that happens is your teacher gives you this assignment. And so then you have to think through this stupid assignment that your teacher asks you to write all the way through to the end where then you have to take out a piece of paper and you take your pen and you write on the paper. And then I ended it right there just with P.A. Because I had lifted my pen off of the paper. I had unwritten the stupid English project and no period, no nothing, and turned it in. Um, And, you know, to me, I thought it was brilliant um, because I had unwritten the stupid English assignment. I got 100, by the way. She thought it was incredibly creative that I had undone that. Um, But some of those things that we learn in life, some of those experiences that we face, um, sometimes we only get them by going through the difficult seasons in our lives. Sometimes we only learn them the hard way. And, and so there are those irreversible moments that leave us broken and empty, like standing at the foot of a casket or being on the receiving end of divorce papers or answering that frantic call in the middle of the night that something has gone terribly wrong or receiving the phone call from the doctor, we need you to come in, that you just can't undo But the beautiful thing about this is that with God, it's not over. Pastor Jamie said this last week. It's not over until God says it's over. It's not over until he says it's over. And so Jesus walked out of the tomb. And when he did that, the impossible became possible. It's impossible to step out of your own grave. Uh, I was contemplating um, seeing if I could stop at the funeral home this week and ask if they would lend me a casket. I was going to have a casket in here, um, and uh, but I, I, I didn't do it. Um, I have a friend of mine that needed a casket for a play, and I've told this story before, and he went to the funeral home because they were on the prepay plan, like to buy their funeral plots, and so he went in and asked for a casket, and the funeral director wouldn't give it to him um, because, you know, they used them. And so he said, well, how much do I have left to pay off on my casket? And he said he pulled up his account, $2,500, okay. Wrote a check for $2,500. I'll take my casket now. Um, and so then we had the, the casket for the play that we were doing. And, um, and so then, then it's stored in his garage, which is incredibly creepy. 
um, to, to know that his casket is in the garage. And, and they use it for plays and all kinds of stuff, and it's all ding. What a better way to, to have your casket, right, to get use out of that puppy before you actually stick it in the ground and no one sees it anymore. Um. <laughs> Jesus walked out of the tomb, and the word impossible was removed from our vocabulary. Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. It's a unique claim. It sets Jesus apart from every other world leader, every other philosopher, every other prophet, every other religion, that he is in a category all by himself when he said, I am the Son of God. No one else has made that claim or, or can make that claim. And for us as followers of Christ, Christianity is not based on just merely a code of ethics or a list of do these things and, and you'll be okay. The footer of our faith, the foundation of who we are as followers of Christ is the empty tomb that we serve a risen Savior. He walked out of the tomb under his own power. There's no argument against that. You know, if the resurrection didn't happen, now here's, here's, here's a, a, the flip side of that. If the resurrection didn't happen, then Christianity is the cruelest hoax in all of mankind's history. If, if that's true, because it's not just that we are wasting our lives coming to church and singing songs. It means that we're living a lie if the resurrection is not true. But if he walked out of the tomb 2,000 years ago, all bets are off. Because all bets are on Jesus. He has the power. Uh, U2, um, the lead singer of U2, Bono, is a very devout follower of, of Jesus Christ. And I love this. Uh, he was actually being interviewed by Rolling Stone. And the, the interviewer said this to him. He said, Christ has his rank among the world's greatest thinkers. But son of God, isn't that a little far-fetched? And the lead singer Bono uh, said this. He said, no, it's not far-fetched to me. Look, the secular response to the Christ story always goes like this. He was a great prophet who had a lot to say along the lines of other great prophets, be they Elijah or Muhammad, Buddha or Confucius. But actually, Christ does not allow you that. He doesn't let you off that hook. Christ says, no, I'm not saying I'm a teacher. Don't call me a teacher. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. Don't call me a prophet. I'm saying I am the Messiah. I am God incarnate. And so people say, no, no, please, just be a prophet. This is what Bono says. He says, just be a prophet, a prophet we can take. So what you're left with is either Christ is who he said he was, the Messiah, or he was a complete nutcase. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said that Jesus is either a liar on the order of a uh, person, um, a liar, like pathologically liar, or he's a lunatic on the order of someone who says, I am a poached egg, or he is the Lord of creation. He can't be anything else. Either he was lying through his teeth or completely out of his mind crazy. Or he is who he said he was. And when you look at 
the course of human history being changed by the teachings of this man. It's not possible that he was crazy or that he was a pathological liar. He was who he said he was. And answering that question that he asked to Martha, do you believe this? Is that question, that that decision to that question will determine your eternal destiny. That one question will make your impossible possible. You know, this is the thing. He, he says this to Martha. Do you believe this? And, and Lazarus has not come out of the tomb yet. He's still in there. And then he says to Lazarus, come forth. You know, that, that question he posed to Martha, do you, do you believe? And her response was simple. Her response was, yes, Lord. That's it. And, and we, make, we make our faith, we try to make things so complicated in life, don't we? That we have to pray the right kind of prayer at the right time. And if we don't, we feel like we're getting it wrong. And all Martha simply said was, yes. Do you believe? One of the most important questions we'll ever answer. And the beautiful thing is, is that it's not multiple choice. It's not an essay. It's a simple, true, false question. And the beauty of it is we get to take it open book. You can open up your Bibles to Romans 10, verse 9, and it gives the exact answer to the question, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When Jesus rose from the dead, it completely changed reality. It split time in half is the cliche to say that there was the time before Christ and the time after Christ, B.C. and A.D. Now we've stripped that out of our textbooks and now it's all common era. Uh, we don't talk about before Christ and, 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 and A.D., which stands for Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And that series that starts tonight, it's gonna be, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. It's the sequel to what was on the History Channel as the Bible. A.D. is now the next space, the same people, um, that walks through the book of Acts. And I'm just so excited uh, to see where it goes. Tonight it starts off with the resurrection, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection, um, and to see how that gets portrayed. And the fact that that's in our cultural consciousness is an opportunity to share our faith, to share the fact and the truth that Jesus is alive. That's exciting. But here's the challenge. Here's the thing. For us this morning. This is the one thing that I want us to walk away with out of out of all of this this Easter. You know, with with Easter, with the resurrection, the trick is living our lives like yesterday he was crucified. Today he is risen, and tomorrow he is coming back. That's the challenge walking through every single day, recognizing that he was crucified for us, that today he is risen. And it's not just something that happened a long time ago. Today he is risen. He is alive right now, interceding for us before the Father, with us as we walk through our every single day. He's alive. That's exciting. 
You know, we talk about celebrating Christmas all year long, and wouldn't it be nice that we were all nice to each other and we gave each other gifts, right? It's more than that. This is something that, that we need to grab a hold of and to say this is who I am, that I am following the risen Savior. Living like he was crucified yesterday, he's risen today, and he's coming back tomorrow. Because in all honesty, we don't even know that it's tomorrow. It could be today. He could come back before your head hits the pillow tonight. That's exciting. That's amazing. You know, and, and you think about the, what he said at the, at the table with his disciples, that he said, I'm going to refrain so does that mean he's eating other things in heaven? I, we, I don't know, you know how the whole glorified body thing works. But he's chosen to, to not drink of the fruit of the vine, which he was holding the cup in their hands so when he said it to his disciples. So there's something that we get to eat and drink in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb that he's choosing not to partake in. I can't wait to see what that tastes like. I mean, John Edwards makes good wine, um, but I can't wait to see what that tastes like when we are sitting around the table with Jesus, celebrating that together. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. Living our lives like he died yesterday, he's risen today, and he's coming back tomorrow. You know, so many times we, we get stuck in life. We get stuck in the problem. We get stuck in the situation. We get stuck in the pain of the circumstance. And we forget. We get blinded to the truth that he is with us every single moment. We don't have to walk through life alone. Crucified yesterday. Risen today. He's coming back tomorrow. That should be how we live our lives we close this morning i'm going to play a song and what i'd like for us as we respond uh, as our response is to to think about where we're at I, I don't know where everyone in the room is i don't know where you're at in your walk with christ if if you are, are not a follower of jesus christ today's a great day to start that journey to say yes i will follow him Maybe you're here this morning and you have had a relationship with Jesus, but you've allowed the stuff to kind of block that out. And and you need to make a reconnection to say, Jesus, I get that you are not just some guy from a long time ago, that you are alive today and you want to be a part of my life. And I want to make a connection with you again, fresh and new. Maybe you're here this morning and you are You've got things in your life that, that feel like death. They feel like there's no way to get around them. You, you want to invite Jesus into that. Say, Jesus, I, I feel like my life is falling apart. I need you with me in this, whether it's a physical need or an emotional need or a spiritual need. And as we sing and, and, and watch this last song in closing, I want you to let the words kind of sink in. And then when you're ready to respond, I would like to invite you to stand and to, and to join in singing this song as your act of saying, Jesus, I'm inviting you back into my life or I'm inviting you into my life 
for the first time. Or Jesus, I need you to come and resurrect something that's dead inside of me, whether that's a dream or, or a need. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll hit the lights, and I promise we'll run that last video. Father, I ask that you would help us. Lord, we thank you so much that you did not stay in the grave, that you are risen. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live like that, that we wouldn't walk through life blind to the truth that you are with us every day. Jesus' name.
He's alive. He's alive. He is risen. Amen. That word amen means so be it. Let it be done. If you're a Star Trek fan, it means make it so. This morning, He is alive. And because He lives, we get life. That's something to celebrate. So I pray that you have an awesome Easter celebration together with your family. Uh, Like a Jewish Passover Seder, today, around the table, talk to your kids, talk to your family about what today means. Why? Why do we celebrate this? What's the point? Let them know that that He lives. Pray your blessing to rest on, on your people, Lord. I would ask that you would be with us this week. Help us, God, to be careful what we look at, careful what we listen to, and careful what we talk about. Help us, God, to live like you were crucified yesterday, that you have risen today, and you are coming back tomorrow. Help us to live like that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings. Have a fantastic week. Just FYI, there is no mountaintop tonight. I know it's the first Sunday of the month. But with the Easter holiday, the mountaintop is uh, canceled. Um, It will be in two weeks. Um, Blessings. Have a great week.